day rabbi Sold I to the merchant ships Minutes after they took I From the bottomless pits But my hand was made strong By the end of the Almighty We forward in this generation Triumphantly Won't you help to sing These songs of freedom Cause all I ever have Redemption songs Redemption songs Emancipate yourselves from mental slavery None but ourselves can free our minds Have no fear for atomic energy Cause none of them can stop the time How long shall they kill our prophets While we stand aside and look Some say it's just a part of it We've got to fulfill the book Won't you help to sing These songs of freedom Is all I ever had Redemption songs Redemption songs Redemption songs Emancipate yourselves from mental slavery None but ourselves can free our mind Oh, have no fear for atomic energy Cause none of them can stop at the time How long shall they kill our prophets While we stand aside and look Yes, some say it's just a part of it We've got to fulfill the book Won't you help to sing These songs of freedom Cause all I ever had Redemption songs All I ever had Redemption songs Songs of freedom Songs of freedom Welcome back. This is David Penn. Welcoming you to the Professor Penn Podcast. Glad to be back with you. Glad you're back. And uh, we're going to get into some... uh, relatively um, esoteric things today. You know, I've been uh, making this case to you about uh, Darwinism and the Darwinist sentiment, and it's so dominant in our lives that we forget all the spiritual things that we're involved with. 
And before we go further, I want to talk about some of the spiritual things we're involved with together. For example, Free People Radio and Free People of America. Please check out Free People of America. Please be attuned to our community. Please help us grow this community. This is a community of people that are in action, and we're linked together spiritually with a common set of beliefs about human freedom, human dignity, and human well-being. So Free People Radio is the sponsor of this show, and I really appreciate this podcast being on Free People Radio. I want to thank Free People Radio and uh, all the content that's coming out of that great new uh, platform. Please pay attention. Uh, Target.com. Here's a spiritual idea about a business uh, opportunity. We are people that are linked together uh, with a common purpose. And that purpose is to support our human well-being, our community well-being, our individual well-being. Uh, our politics is about well-being. Our lives are about well-being. And we're facing people that at this moment in time, because maybe tomorrow they'll change, they're not so focused on the well-being of the people as perhaps I am or you are. And we have to start to support those businesses and those um, people that are supporting the movement. So we have to buy tires. Go to TireGet.com when you need tires. You'll be supporting the movement. That's TireGet.com, everything you need for tires. And I also want to give a shout-out, as I always do, to another spiritual leader, uh, Dan Schultz and ThePriestingStrategy.com, because it's a tutorial about how you can get off the couch and get involved in politics. And for those of you that have been listening and watching, you know that's a very important um, idea from my perspective. So I'm always encouraging people to study about how to actually get involved. So uh, we've had so many developments since the last time I, I was with you. Obviously, the uh, indictment of President Trump is unprecedented, and there's not much for me to say about it because it's been quite adequately covered. Although I do want to say that um, uh, when we... Uh, impress upon our leaders our desire for them to have Christ-like or God-like uh, behavior, uh, we're, really, we're really kind of off base. We're all human beings. We have feet of clay. And uh, the, you know, the subject today is what happens when we go off the rails. Uh, this is the whole point of the Bob Marley redemption song. Redemption, the concept of redemption. When our leaders... Um, when our leaders uh, fail to act in a way that we personally agree with, all they're proving to us is that they're human beings. It's the ideas that our leaders espouse that we need to focus on. We live in a world that's material, and that materialism has been translated into Darwinism and social Darwinism, and we're bouncing around on who's the best Darwinist. I want you to think about it. I want to share this with you. Get a group of Darwinists in there called the Crown, the Colonialists. And they're supplanted by a group of Darwinists called the Social Equity Army. They're all Darwinists. We're just moving around on the same line. You know, we're not getting off of this thing. We're not evolving because we're missing the spiritual aspect. And, of course, this is not a new conversation. In fact... This is a conversation that goes back for thousands and thousands of years. You know, I listen to all these uh, shows, 
podcasts and people say in the year of our Lord 2023, or they have all these ways of, of, of timestamping the show. But, you know, actually, we live in a world here in the United States where strong elements of our culture go back almost 6,000 years. Almost 6,000 years. So we have a, a very ancient and long-lasting set of values and histories that are now under assault by a new ideology, which is really only about 500 years old, and really only picked up speed at the beginning of the progressive era. They call it the progressive era for a reason, because we're progressing past the anchor of that 6,000 years, and that was maybe late 1800s, early 1900s. We started to move forward into this technological revolution, and we really, 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 step by step by step, have been uh, disconnecting ourselves from human history and starting a completely new experiment in human consciousness. Now, those of us that have been uh, privileged to have lived for a while, we actually were born before this experiment really became evident. So, you know, some of us are able to actually look at this and judge, is this working? You know, if someone's 20 or 30 years old, they don't have that perspective. And I think that uh, some of the people that are what they call the so-called boomers, you know, the boomers can look at this in, in kind of a historical perspective and say, is life getting better? Is this getting better? And we have an argument within the boomers. A lot of the boomers think it is getting better. So really we have this classic argument about material and spiritual, faith and faithlessness. This argument is as old as time. And from time to time, it reaches a crescendo where we all get to vote again. We vote with our human will. We vote with our human will. Not participating is a vote. You've taken yourself out of the play. I'm going to say, why would you do that? This is the, one of the most potent moments in human history. All of us get to participate in a worldwide, a worldwide vote of the human will. Do we go off into a technology and a technocracy where the very nature of humanity down to our genome is going to be altered such that Homo sapiens is no longer the dominant species on the earth? Do we as Homo sapiens want to be replaced or supplanted by a technology that is there to allegedly evolve us? Is that evolution? And is all evolution positive? These are the questions of the day that really matter. This is the politics of the day that really matter. And you know, no one talks about it, or it's talked about in you know, very little. We're looking at this disaster, and we're looking at that disaster, and we got this crisis and that crisis. And in the meantime, if you read the bills that are running through our Congress, our Congress is setting up bills, writing bills that actually usher in a complete technology control grid with surveillance of all our devices, with uh, cryptocurrency. These things are not conspiracy theory stuff, okay? So anybody that's watching, watching this and uh, is going to say, wow, that's tinfoil hat stuff. No, 
You can go right to the Federal Register, which is the Bible of the United States, by putting in federalregister.gov in your search engine. And you can look up cryptocurrency in the Federal Register, and you're going to see that our government is actually in the process of introducing a FedCoin, a U.S. government uh, Federal Reserve cryptocurrency. And what does that mean for us? I think every one of us need to be involved in this. So I urge you, and I'm going to continue to, and I'm asking you to please get involved in your local political unit. Please. It's very important that every American citizen take up the, the mantle of their citizenship and not leave the governance to other people that maybe do not care about the well-being of my family and my children and the people that are around me that I love and care about. They maybe don't care about that. They maybe care about other things. I care about human sapiens' well-being. And one of the things that I, I try to do when I do these podcasts is I, I try not to get over-spiritualized or over-religious because, A, I'm a pretty hard driver in my, in my life outside this camera. I'm engaged in the game, and I have been my whole life. And I've been physically very active my whole life, a whole history that I can talk about in the future, but, you know, not skipping rope. I mean, actually doing things, uh, serious things. And uh, I've been raised in a faith tradition, and I, I do believe in God, and I, I care about uh, the people believing in God because I think that our republic, uh, our constitution of our republic, actually cites the creator as the source of our rights, our natural rights. So we do live in a country that does acknowledge that there's a God. Now, a creator does, you know, that's not saying it's Yahweh or Jesus Christ or Allah. You know, the, the, the framers of the Constitution were sage enough all those hundreds of years ago to leave open how each one of us described the creator to ourselves. And it's a champagne problem to be arguing Jews against Christians and Jews and Christians against Muslims and, you know, that's a champagne problem. And we had that champagne problem for a very long time. But there's an old saying in the Middle East, me and my brother against my cousin, and me and my cousin against a stranger. And right now we have a strange ideology. And when I say strange, I mean it is strange to the previous 6,000 years of tradition that is seeking to overthrow that tradition. And why is it seeking to overthrow that tradition? Because that tradition anchors human experience in the story of creation and Genesis. And when Charles Darwin, on the payroll of the crown, introduced the origin of the species, and Spencer, his first cousin, Herbert Spencer, weaponized that Darwinist uh, analysis into social Darwinism, and then Sir Francis Galton took it into the Masons and made it into a political strategy of eugenics. We have, since that period in the 1800s, moved very quickly away from the previous 6,000 years of tradition. And we have to ask, why are we doing that? Who's doing it? Who is doing it and why are they doing it? These are questions that really require careful consideration by the American people because we do have a republic and we do get to vote. So. You know, this concept of homo sapiens, 
and of human nature, there's a group of people that think that homo sapiens and human nature were a failed experiment, that we need to be improved in a technological fashion. That is in stark juxtaposition and antagonism, actually complementary antagonism, to this redemption song sang by Bob Marley. And I'm going to just wax a little bit um, spiritual today. I'm going to stay with the hardcore analysis, and I'm going to say that we all have these two components in our life, the material and the spiritual. I, I'm going to continue to make the case. When you take out the spiritual, in the entire duality of your life is material, material, hey, uh, you've made a decision. You've made a decision to exclude the spiritual world. And uh, I, I, I strongly suggest that people are setting this up for their own reasons. They're anti-spiritual or anti-Jewish or anti-Christian or anti-Christ. They're anti the Judeo-Christian heritage that undergirds Western civilization. They're just against it. And they're standing on a street corner. You and me are standing on a street. Maybe you're on that other street corner. Okay. Let's say you're listening to this and you're on that other street corner. And in fact, you're thinking about hating me. And I'm going to say, please don't. Let us please talk one another to one another because there's a lot we can learn from each other through dialogue. In fact, this is a moment in time after the indictment of a president, a former president who is a presidential candidate. This is a moment where peace and, and prudence and patience is going to be required unless there be violence which further gives the establishment, which is now a communist Marxist establishment that's in control of our government, gives that globalist Marxist establishment the reason to further impose controls on our freedoms. And beyond that, violence is a Darwinist expression. So again, if one group of Darwinists is in control and another group of Darwinists are seeking them to supplant them, and we stay on that scale, we're going to stay in this hell that we've been in for hundreds of years, if not thousands of years, of human suffering. There's a way out of this. And Bob Marley was singing about it. Now, it's very spiritual. And um, I think there's a lot of people that have given up on that because it hasn't worked for them. Maybe they've experimented with, I really want to understand this. And then they grunt a little bit and nothing happens. And they say, oh, doesn't exist. That's my proof. Well, I'm going to tell you that I, as a young man, grew up in a, a, a very leftist household. Um, my, my father was a, a logical positivist. Uh, he was, a, you, know, a, you know, really interested in the, the Marxist, the post-World uh, War II um, kind of uh, intellectual movement that came out of the European tradition. Um, on a previous podcast, I talked a little bit about his famous uh, graduate school, uh, his graduate professor or his PhD advisor, Herbert Feigl. I mean, you know, I grew up in that, in that kind of an environment. 
And I made a decision at some point, I want to understand, you know, my traditions and I want to understand for whatever reason I was drawn to it. And uh, I probably worked at it for uh, mm, about 11 years full time, trying to understand the various uh, faith traditions and esoteric traditions, trying to build the knowledge base that I needed to actually, in my opinion, kind of scientifically or personally verify that there was a spiritual world. And I'm just going to tell you today, just today, there was a miracle in my life, a very, very significant miracle. And I've been suffering. I'm a sufferer. You know, I, I mean, people come on, I watch other podcasts. I, you know, I don't see people generally say, I'm a sufferer. I've been a sufferer most of my adult life. And uh, in that suffering, boy, have I gained tremendous spiritual insight and power uh, because I've had to rely on the spiritual just to survive. I mean, there's been times in my life where my very survival at that second was dependent on a miracle. And so, you know, these miracles come and they come at different times. They don't, I don't control the miracles. When they happen, and I realize if I described what happened, someone would say, oh, no, that's not a miracle. That's just the way things work. Okay, great. If that's the way you want to see it, that's fine. I get to see it the way I want to see it, and I get the whole scope of something that started in 2015 that had absolutely nothing to do with the miracle that happened today. And I am the one that knows the progression of how this happened to where I have a miracle that happened this morning just a couple hours before I'm joining you here today. And I just want to give a testimony for it because if you start to see it, you can see it. And when I said it took me 11 years to build the skills to be able to start to understand the spiritual. Hey, this stuff isn't easy. The reason people don't have faith is they don't do the work. There's nothing wrong with the spiritual. There's something wrong with the people. And isn't that the moment within which we're living, where we have a group of people who have said, this spiritual thing is a crack of you-know-what. And there's another group that's living in this spiritual realm that really doesn't want to get involved in politics. And why don't they want to get involved in politics? Because the people that are involved in politics have ringed out the political with a bunch of heads on posts, which make you not want to be involved, which brings me to my next uh, kind of spiritual uh, insight of the, since I saw you last. I've yet been, a, again, yet again, I've been stabbed in the back in the political realm by uh, a young man who... Um, for whatever reason, that's how he is. Okay, great, no problem. Uh, when we have political organizations, be it Democrat or Republican, and leaves the membership of those organizations feeling bad regularly, not because of winning or losing, but because of how we treat each other. When we treat each other in the political realm shabbily, doing things behind people's backs, being dishonest, being manipulative, being not transparent. When we function with each other 
disreputably and disharmoniously, we disincentivize the participation of good people. I'm going to tell you, I view myself as a good person. Now, I know there's people who are watching this who know me are going to say, well, you're not that good. And that's true. I've been getting better and better my entire life. So I'm hoping that while I'm with you here in this you know, podcast, I can continue to improve as a human being. And I hope you will be inspired and you'll want to continue to improve. And that's why I talk about <clears throat> and I emphasize in my personal life and in my political life absolute honesty and nonviolence because that continues to help me every day improve who I am as a human being. Because if I'm a liar or if I'm doing things behind people's backs or not respecting people, I'm going in the wrong direction as a human being. And I don't want to do that. And obviously, if I become violent emotionally or physically, I have to bear the cost of that. As has been famously said, blood is very expensive. I don't want to go there myself. And I urge you not to go there. Because to restore balance in your soul after you've done things that are quite disharmonious takes a lot of work. And that is the issue of Bob Marley's song, and that is the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter is why we're screwed up personally and how we're going to get less screwed up. I didn't say not screwed up. I think it's the nature of the human condition to always be working around this good and bad duality, happy and sad, life and death, hot and cold, yin and yang. This is a good description. They called it in the uh, Northern European uh, nature religions, I think they called it fire and ice, fire and ice. Same concept, fire and ice. And this is the sages of the days gone by looking at how things work and describing them so that young people could get some mooring in the world into which they were born. By the way, not necessarily with their consent. We just showed up here. And some of us decide, hey, I don't like this. I don't like this deal. That's one group. Then you got another group that are saying, wow, how do I learn about how to live harmoniously within this operating system, so to speak. And built into the nature of our experience, my experience, your experience, we make mistakes. We make horrible mistakes. And um, some of us, of course, are uh, what they call sociopaths. They make mistakes and they don't think about it. They have no thought about their actions. These people make great killers. Fantastic. Because they can kill, and then they don't have to consider the life that they ended. And then there's other people that are called upon to do these things, and things that are much less dramatic than killing, but still things that are quite, quite dramatic. And they really contemplate and sometimes suffer with the decisions that they've made. So Bob Marley is singing about redemption. And uh, this really, I think this is really what this whole argument is about. 
And I said today I was going to be spiritual. I'll try to get to some news at the end. But I, I really want to get into this concept of redemption. Because the classic uh, definition that you'll find online on Wikipedia of, of, of redemption is the action of saving or being saved from sin, error, or evil. And we have two competing ideologies of redemption. We have the 6,000 years, and actually the roots of that goes back hundreds of thousands of years, of redemption through faith. And then we have a competing ideology, which is redemption through science. And that's the battle. If you take a look at the, at the rut, the creation stories, in the Genesis story, there's a curse upon man and woman. And the curse upon man is he has to work with the sweat of his brow. And the curse upon woman is women must have pain in childbirth and cleave to their men. And if we take a look at the modern experience, all of our scientific um, techniques, everything that we have makes my life easier such that I don't have to sweat by my brow unless I choose to. So you could say that the entire scientific revolution is a anti-position to the curse that I must sweat with my brow. I never thought about it that way until I got a little bit older. And I have to tell you, I have to work. I myself personally, just so you know, I actually sweat and struggle. And I'm telling myself, because I'm a person in the faith camp, that I am actually accepting reality as it was created for me, and I'm not trying to escape that curse. I'm embracing it and holding on to my faith. And then there's another camp that says, oh, come on, come on. Buy a washing machine. Well, I got a washing machine. Oh, you know, buy a car. I got a car. So even when I'm saying I'm struggling, I'm still taking advantage of many modern scientific products. I am not saying that we don't use scientific benefits. What I'm saying is I'm struggling. Now, there is another group over here in this scientific camp that's saying, hey, for some of us, we can create a technological world where you don't have to struggle at all. You don't have to work. In fact, you're not going to have to have disease. We can intervene into your body, and this is, uh, for anybody who knows the name, Yuval Noah Harari, he is now you know, continuously bringing up that humans are now hackable organisms. We're hacking. We're hackable. They're actually, when I say they, Harari is one. We can call out scientist after scientist because they published their work. Ralph Barrick, University of North Carolina. Check out his work. Anyhow, when we, when we uh, uh, look at what this group is doing, they're presenting uh, a scientific technological solution to the problem of human suffering. You talk about women. Women don't want to have child, you know, childbirth pains. How, how do we know it? Because 
childbirth, I mean, reproduction is like, it's fallen off the face of the map here. We got a lot of countries that are not even reproducing at a level that allows the population to continue into the future, like Japan. And if you check out our reproduction rate here in the United States, boy, you know, people aren't having six, seven, eight, nine, ten kids anymore. Now, I know there's people who are going to say, people are going to say that all those children in a family were because people were dying of diseases. And now we have vaccines to protect us against the early childhood diseases and subsequent uh, childhood uh, maladies. And that's true. But somehow, the idea of cleaving to your man was replaced. And when I say somehow, uh, you know, these were ideas that were put forward, that were uptaken into the culture. And women have a choice now to work, which I think is great, because I'm all about free will. So people are choosing not to have families. And that eliminates that that pain of childbirth. Birth and women don't have to cleave to their men. So we have a whole, you know, right at the rut. And please don't think I'm taking a position on any of this stuff for you. I'm just laying out the dynamic. Each one of us has to make a decision with our free will what we think about these ideas. But let us understand their ideas that we can trace back to their source. Where did they come from? Who thought them up? Who paid for the research? What are they trying to accomplish? Is this really about human well-being? You know, sometimes you can take a trip and end up in a place you don't want to be. And that's what redemption is all about. We're back to this concept of redemption. Humanity faces suffering. We have a spiritual methodology for dealing with the issue of suffering, and we have a technological issue for dealing with suffering. Let us start to understand that while we're all concerned about all these different crises that are being put in front of us so boldly and so theatrically by our media, the real issue, the real issue is how the issue of human suffering is going to be dealt with is being resolved for us, the American people, without us even knowing that the conversation is going on. We're not even in the game. And that's why, to digress for a second, for those of us that are involved in politics, I hope it's every one of you, every one of our state parties, be it Democratic or Republican, and I'm not asking anybody to pick sides. I'm asking you to get involved. Every one of these party pl- uh, parties has a platform. So there's two platforms in every state, a Republican platform and a Democrat platform. You know, if you're watching me in Kentucky or in New York, whatever party you're associated with, go to their website and download their platform and read it. It's not long. And it's not a Ph.D.-level piece. It's a statement of what the party stands for. And that's what you're involved with. And look at that and say, wow, does this have anything to do with 2023? Now, I've read my party platform here in Minnesota, and it worked just as well in 1995 or 1985 
as they think it works in 2023. But I don't think it's the right par party platform for 2023. So for those of us that are involved in the political, I'm digressing here. Remember, getting together and talking about politics is great, but it can very quickly become a venting session. That's, in my opinion, when, you, when we're on the verge of so much chaos in our society and in our country, we don't have time for entertainment. That's entertaining. I'm going to suggest productivity, not activity, productivity. Take that party platform in your state of your party and with your group of people, read that platform and rework it based on the issues that are really important today. The things that are coming down the pike at us today. Like, for example, does your party want to support a war in the Ukraine with a nuclear superpower? Talk it through. What you're going to find out is, if you're in a group of 20 or 30 people that are your friends, when you actually analyze the platform, people are not going to agree about anything. And they're going to start fighting. Another opportunity. We must learn, as American citizens, that our system is set up to take conflict, physical conflict, and turn it into a spiritual path of discussion such that we come up with a better idea through dialogue. Now, what's happened is we've learned to hate each other and not listen to each other. I'm trying to propose truth and nonviolence. Nonviolence would include listening, embracing, being open, and understanding one another. We're all American citizens. We all have rights that are protected by our Constitution, and it doesn't matter your ethnicity, your sexual identity. Uh, you're an American citizen. You have your rights, and I am totally in support of every American citizen's rights being protected under the Constitution of the United States. So when we use that as a baseline, we're all one family. We don't agree with each other. Let's learn to talk to each other. Let's learn to use soaring rhetoric and composition that we might convince one another of our position. And let us learn to vote and then get about our business as the American people. I'm going to hope we vote for human well-being. Let us realize that there are now tens of thousands of people coming into political activity because they see the trajectory of our country and they want to speak out for human well-being and human freedom. And I'm one of those people. And I want to thank you for joining with me. And if you like this content, click that like button, subscribe, and send this out to everybody you know, because I want this political movement to spread so that we focus our country on the well-being of the people. And, and, and at the root of well-being is human nature, where we go off track. And when we go off track, we have to find redemption. We have to find redemption. What is the process of redemption? So that classic definition, the action of saving or being saved from sin or error or evil, that's redemption, to be redeemed. 
to re- be redeemed. Now, I personally don't like that um, Wikipedia definition. I think it's a little off. And again, is it off by malevolence or incompetence? I'll never know. So I'm not going to wonder about it. I'm just going to say that um, it's not right. I think that redemption is the action of saving or being saved from sin and uh, error and evil is a, is a kind of a diversion. It's a diversion. What we really want to do is save ourselves from evil by extricating ourselves from our sins. In other words, when we ensue and pursue a sinful life, we find ourselves in an evil condition. Sin, the classic definition of sin, is separation from the spiritual realm. So to the extent that we're focused on sin instead of the spiritual realm, we're separated from the goodness that's in the spiritual and we give ourselves over to the evil that's in the spiritual. Okay, that's pretty esoteric. I'm going to tell you as a practitioner, it is exactly the way things work. If you don't know it, I'm asking you to take my word for it so that you can discover it. Because when we're doing things that are not good for us, that are against our well-being, and we all do it. I've done it. I do it. I'm not, I'm not free of it. I do it. We all do it. We separate ourselves from the spiritual realm. Now, we're at a moment in, um, in history, a special moment, where it's very evident to more and more people that the state of our nation is uh, really uh, it's in a difficult spot. Now, I realize there's a percentage of people, some of you who are listening, that think this is just great. And I'm trying to convince you that it's not. And I'm going to give you one reason why. Life expectancy is declining. Let's just start there. Our life expectancy is on the decline. Now, that's a very heavy concept, that our, that we're actually living shorter lives. And Winston Churchill, a great colonialist and racist, I'm going to tell you right up front, I know that he was a great colonialist and a racist, but he was a great statesman. He fought the Nazis, and nobody is one thing or the other. We're mixed bags. So within his colonialist sentiment, and to be a colonialist, you have to be a racist. Okay, that's, that's, that just goes together like hand in glove. Because if you're going to self-determine for other people their futures and, and use your military to do it, you're saying they're not as good as you. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it. You'd be there to enhance their well-being. But when you're there to extract their wealth and control them, that's not well-being. That's called piracy, drugs, and slavery. So Churchill came out of that piracy, drugs, and slavery model, and I just want to say that for anybody that wants to criticize me for reading one of his famous quotes. Healthy citizens are the greatest asset any country can have. Winston S. Churchill Isn't that interesting, and isn't that obvious? And, you know, if we're living in a society where $4.3 trillion is spent every year on health care, $4.3 trillion, that's $12,900 for every man, 
woman and child alive in the United States of America today, they're spending $13,000 on health care every year. You know, that's very strange to me. I know there's people that need doctoring, and I'm not saying don't go to your doctor. I think doctoring is very important. Always do what your doctor tells you to do. Listen to your doctor. But I'm going to tell you $12,900 of doctoring was not in my life this past year. In fact, I think I went to the dentist one time to have my teeth cleaned. So we don't have to live like this. We don't have to live unhealthfully. And what is the path out of this unhealth? Well, it's about being redeemed. And what are we arguing about? Who's controlling the redemption? The religious or the scientific? There you go. There's your real duality. But where are we really playing? We're really playing on a pure scientific playing field right now. We got one group of scientific Darwinists that ran the world with slavery, drugs, and piracy. That would be called the colonial empires that have now been overthrown and they're being in the process of being overthrown by the colonized. The colonized are fighting back, like the BRICS, Brazil, India, China, South Africa, all the countries that the colonial powers of, of Europe subjugated and, and, and brutalized. These countries have long memories about this. And as they watch the West become fat and sick and incapable, they're waiting there, waiting for their turn. And you know what they want on, 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 on the West? Of course, we're in, in North America. We're in America, Europe. They want revenge. They don't want redemption. They want revenge. Revenge. And they have a long history of exploitation and genocide that they've been carrying in a sack to remind them of the evilness of the West, of Western values, and of the Judeo-Christian experience that underlies Western culture. And what these people have determined is that it's that very Judeo-Christian bedrock that's the problem. Oh, really? I'm going to say it was a failure of the men and women who picked up the mantle of that tradition and misused it on a worldwide basis. And they were a group of Darwinists funded by the crown. And now we got a new group of Darwinists that are looking to overthrow that group, and we're stuck. And we the people, we the people are sitting at home watching television, watching former presidents get indicted, I mean, there was a crisis before that, a month. Oh, bank crisis. Hey, guess what? That didn't go away. That's just quiet for a minute or two. But that was a bank crisis. Oh, my money's all going to disappear. See, everything is about getting my mind off of the real issue, the real news that matters. How are we going to get redeemed, spiritually or materially? And, of course, everything is heading towards this material, radical material reality that we're in. In fact, it's won the day. 
It's one the day. So I look at it and I say, okay, got a car, been to the doctor, got heat in my house, indoor plumbing, electricity. I got lots of benefits. I can go to the mall and shop. Hey, you know what? Good enough for me. A lot of people came to that conclusion. I've played with that conclusion in my own life. But there was something that happened to me. And that's something that has happened to millions and millions and millions of people, which is they have their own experience of the spiritual world. They know it's real just the way the other folks on the other street corner know it's not real. And there you go. There's a nice, now that's a good polarity. Those that have faith and those that are faithless. You know, when we're having an argument and the only argument is between faithless group A and faithless group B, hey, we're not really getting down to the heart of the matter. But when we put the faithful on one pole and all the faithless on the, I mean, the crown and the bricks, Brazil and India and China and South Africa, this new emerging uh, uh, constituency of countries that were colonized that are in opposition to the West and the West. You put them, they're all on one camp for me. They're all one system. And then there's the faithful, kind of the last of the Mohicans or the last samurai or the Plains Indians or the last of the Judeo-Christians. I mean, this is where we're at. And when the last of the faithful are extinguished, then we're just going to have Darwinism. And I want to ask you to think through, what's life going to be like if there's no spiritual dimension to it anymore? Because that's certainly where we're heading. I would like you to ask yourself that question. What will life be like without faith? And if you have no faith, what would your life be like if you had faith? And I'm going to tell you, this song by Bob Marley was so personally revealing. If you listen to the lyrics, I want to read this. Won't you help to sing songs of freedom? Because all I ever have, this is from Bob Marley, all I ever have is redemption songs. All I ever have. His entire songbook, his entire creative output from his perspective. He's telling us what's in his mind. You know, I try to be very careful. I don't want to, I don't want to put, I don't want to act like I know what someone's thinking unless they tell me he's telling me. A great man, a man that is still relevant today. I mean, how many music stars that toured, that wrote music and did albums and, you know, recorded in the 1960s, 70s, and 80s are still relevant today? Ask yourself, and if you don't know his work, go find it, because his lyrics are as relevant today as they were in the 60s, 70s, and 80s during the period of decolonization. And he's saying, he's telling me what he's got in his head. All I ever have is redemption songs, songs of freedom, which is songs of well-being, because as I keep trying to promote my belief that if you don't have freedom, you can't be well. Can you be well if you're living in a jail cell? Yes. Would you be more well if you took that spiritual strength out into the sunshine and you were free? Yes, you'll be more well because you'll be free. You'll be free. You'll have your free will. 
Noval, Yoval Noah Harari. Again, go look him up. We're going to talk about him, calling out people's names. He said free will is passe. It was always an illusion. There is no free will, according to this great philosopher, allegedly great philosopher of the 21st century. Okay, so we've got the free will group. We choose, we make mistakes, we find ourselves given over to sin, and we need redemption. And we've got another group of people saying, hey, the human condition, it's hackable. There is no free will. And let's just get rid of this suffering thing with better science. Better life through better drugs. Okay, great. Now we see what the argument is. That's the real argument. And I want my party platform to actually talk about what are the real political issues of the day. But what have I found out from my participation? My party does not want to talk about those issues because it is not considered relevant. I'm not in these people's heads. They either don't consider the issues relevant to politics or they're on the other side of the argument, they're pure Darwinists, or maybe they just don't understand it. It's too much work and reading to understand what's going on. So we got a group of people politically that are really focused on what is going on. Check out the real situation. And we got another group that doesn't want to do that. They just want to continue along like it's 1994 or 1987, and America's the greatest country on earth, and hey, we got the greatest military, and if anybody screws with us, we're going to kill them. Okay, that's very Darwinist, and it's going to have a very Darwinist end, and I personally do not consider it an adequate, adequate reason to go to war to find out who's got the baddest military. That is not a very spiritual pursuit. That's not a righteous and divine war. That's a war of one Darwinist against a war of another Darwinist. Who wins then? A Darwinist wins. And that's not victory from my perspective. That's the crown paying for intellectual output that covers up slavery, drugs, and piracy. And I'm not into that because that's not well. What I'm into is a business model and an intellectual framework that supports human well-being. And we already have it. We already have it. But it's not taught because we got into the progressive era and we removed a spiritual education from first our post-secondary universities and then our high schools and now down into our grade schools where every student is taught a Darwinist outlook on life. So what was Bob Marley saying? <clears throat> Excuse me. He was saying that we need redemption from sin to escape the clutches of evil. That's a pretty nice concept if you think about it. What he was saying is, if we're redeemed from sin, we're redeemed from evil, which means... If you're watching this podcast and you see an evil descending upon our land, what I can do as an American citizen is redeem myself from sin. It's not easy to do. But when I do it, that's a personal productive act which contrib contributes to liberating our country from evil. We have to do this one person at a time 
one family at a time, one city at a time, one county at a time, one state at a time. And my personal belief is, you know, I'm up here in Minnesota, which is, you know, it's it's made a decision. And I hear the voice of one of my best friends telling me it wasn't a decision because the game was wrecked. And you know what? I want to say that that election is over, but the next election in Minnesota, in my state where I've you know been domiciled since I was born, other than when I lived other places to go to school, for example, this state has now made it a law that every illegal alien in the state gets a driver's license. That when you get a driver's license, you're automatically registered to vote. So they've set up a system where illegal aliens get a driver's license and then they're registered to vote. So in the future elections, let's leave apart the past. Don't want to comment on it because I'm looking downrange. What's coming at me? What's the future? The past is the past. We need to understand our past. But what we need to be focused on is what's coming at us. And what's coming at us in Minnesota is an open border and hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens being relocated into Minnesota, given drive, you know, passing their driver's license test and being registered to vote. Hey, great. Do we know what that means? That means the system has been set up such that there's going to be illegal alien voting in Minnesota. Okay, and we got same-day registration on top of it. So the state's laws have been set to encourage the possibility of a a loose— And I'm going to tell you, for those of you that are listening that are on the other street corner, I know there's many people that think if you live in this country, citizen or not, you get a vote, okay? And I understand that's really what that sentiment is. All votes count. And American citizens, that dilutes the value of your citizenship. So if you want to have the value of your citizenship diluted by letting non-citizens vote, you've made a very altruistic choice, okay? Very altruistic. And if you don't have a border... You don't have a country. And I, you know, and I know that that's been said by people that are not very popular. But, I mean, it's, it's kind of an intuitive thought. You know, like if you don't have an immune system, you can't be alive. I mean, I need an immune system to keep out the illegal invaders of my body or I die. And that is the metaphor or the analog for a country. The immune system of the, of the human body, the, the fundamental one, is my skin. That's a border between self and not self. Our physical national border is the dividing line between American citizen and not American citizen. It's the same thing. So if I don't have my skin, if somebody skins me alive, I'm not around. That's the end, end of the road. If someone removes the border, that's the end of the country as we know it. And that's the condition we're in right now. We have an open border. It's not a dispute. So nobody can deplatform me for, if I'm going to get deplatforming, get get deplatformed for telling a truth that the border's open. Well, that just you know that's just the next level of tyranny. So let's let's hope that that hasn't set in yet, because the border is open and we're going to have a lot of people come to Minnesota 
and they're going to be not citizens and they're going to get driver's licenses and they're going to be encouraged to vote by the very people who think if you're in the country, you get a vote. So that's where we're at. So one way or the other, uh, you know, things have changed in Minnesota. And I'm not leaving Minnesota. Many, many, many people are leaving the state. I'm not going to leave because I believe that these new visitors in our country deserve a chance to be well, that they need to have a chance to have the full benefit of the Constitution of the United States, which protects minority rights and promotes the well-being of the people, that acknowledges the creator. And what these people that have opened the border are going to find out is a lot of these people come from faith backgrounds. And if we just open our heart to these people and minister with them and, and treat them as human beings, which they are, we might find that they are not Darwinists. <clears throat> Given the proper opportunity, we might find out that these people actually are people of faith. And waxing philosophical today, um, I also want to say we're all Darwinists to some degree because we're all in this survival of the fittest. That's why this faith idea is there to modify that struggle so that we have a cooperative, well-being culture. If it's just struggle for survival and survival of the fittest, oh boy, you know, if you're not the fittest, hey, if you're not the fittest and it's all-out survival of the fittest, you ain't going to make it. We need to think about that. That's why I'm saying study our party platforms and let's rewrite our platforms and let's get the issues of tomorrow in our platforms today because when I talk to the people, like I talk to you, I don't pull back. You know, these people treat me like I'm stupid. I am talked to like I am not capable of understanding the issues. I've, you know, people meet me and sometimes I'm wearing jeans and a t-shirt and they just talk to me like I'm an idiot. Sometimes I'm wearing a suit and they talk to me like I'm an idiot. Even when I'm costumed as if I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm educated. It doesn't matter. Their attitude is, don't tell them the truth. It's too much for them. Let's just manipulate them. And I am so opposed to this. And that's why I mentioned I was stabbed in the back again, because people lied to me. I made an agreement with them, and then they went off and did whatever the hell they wanted to do, and I felt very bad about it. I was very, very personally saddened. And when I came in today, I was going to talk at great length about my sadness, about being, uh, you know, stabbed in the back, unnecessarily, mind you. It was completely unnecessary. It was just the way they do business. They do not know in the political, they do not know how to treat us and one to another as human beings with respect. And until we restore that respect, which has been called sacred honor, into our political action, into our political dialogue, until we bring that sacred honor back in and treat each other with well-being, with the intent of fostering well-being, we're just going to have everybody staying home. And that's why they do it, of course. They want me to stay home. Why? Because I want to talk about the real situation. 
I don't want to talk about BS. That is a distraction, a diversion, a fugazi, a bullshit story meant to keep the people's focus off of what's really happening. And that's what this podcast is about. That's what Free People is about. We are interested in discussing what's really happening so that you join us in political action and activity, productivity, that we can be involved in a dialogue about how we're going to be redeemed, spiritually or technologically, and how we're going to mix these two, because it's not either or. That's very uninformed. We're going to have these two polarities working together. In my opinion, if we're going to make the best well-being outcome for the people. But this Darwinist group over here, nah, they want to shut this spiritual thing out completely. And I just, you know, I just can't support that. And I'm asking you to think it through and join me in in not supporting it and and making that not support into a political uh, statement of productivity to maintain faith and family and freedom in America and maintain our traditions. And again, so nobody misunderstands what I'm trying to say. That scientific is valuable and promotes well-being if it's informed by the spiritual and is focused solely on what's good for the people. We need to have that dialogue so that as we rapidly accelerate into this new technological world of the fourth revolution, the fourth the fourth industrial revolution is going to, if you don't know that phrase, fourth industrial revolution, please, please investigate it because I'm going to be talking about it a lot. So we're into this fourth industrial revolution, which is an argument about how people get redeemed. That's a purely Darwinist play. So when I read their work, I think, wow, if I'm not the fittest, they don't need me. And I'm not making this up because if you look online for Harari's famous quotes, his idea that's on YouTube that you can find yourself is the biggest problem facing humanity today. The biggest political problem is the billions and billions of people. This is his words. The billions of humans that are unnecessary. Ooh, that sounds quite threatening to me. I'm going to play this clip in a subsequent podcast. I urge you to go find it because this man is, is a thought leader of the fourth industrial revolution, and he is saying that the biggest political problem in the world today is the billions of people that are unnecessary. Ooh, I don't like the way that feels to me. So when we work on redemption, when we work on redemption as a community, I'm going to highlight the spiritual elements of this. And, you know, there's being spiritually ill from making a spiritual error and there's an old uh, saying in the Shaolin Temple, uh, you'll wash dishes in the kitchen until balance is restored to your soul. In other words, serve your time. And uh, that, you know, Father Time heals all things. But you have to be willing to take your time to heal all things. And we're not, as a culture right now, into that kind of, you know, 
self-investment and well-being. We don't think of that as being well. Hell, we don't even think of a spiritual well-being as part of well-being. We just think of physical well-being. We're missing a dimension. But that's okay. Let's just go to the physical health and well-being issue. And I'd said $4.3 trillion is spent every year on this in this country, in the United States of America, on medical interventions and health care. $4.3 trillion. That is a big number. That's $12,900 for every man, woman, and child that's in the country. And that's an enormous amount of money per person. So is there any options here? Do we have any options? Is our society teaching us about well-being? Why is there so much unhealth? And what we're led to believe, what we're led to believe, is that's just part of the deal. We're just sick. And in the Harari camp, the Darwinist camp, we're hackable animals, and our illnesses can be addressed at the genetic level by changing the nature of Homo sapiens. Oh, this sounds very Spencerian to me, very Galtonian. This sounds very eugenicist. You know, there's positive eugenics and negative eugenics. The positive eugenicist, which is what Galton claimed he was, used breeding to enhance human well-being. That kind of sounds like Harari. But that was picked up very quickly by different groups. Oh, like, I don't know, the Nazis. You know, if we can enhance people on the one side, which they did, the Nazis ran breeding programs to make better Nazis. Well, on the other hand, why not run a negative eugenics program and clip out all the undesirables in an industrial fashion? And that was called the Holocaust. So as soon as we slip into this, oh, let's start to change the nature of humanity, when man has the arrogance to take into his own hands the nature of what it is to be a human in the guise of human well-being, well, I think we're on a slippery slope. And I think we need to very quickly address the real issues of the day. And we can do that by looking at our state party platforms and changing them and start to actually, at the political level, bring forth the arguments that matter. Stop arguing about things that were... I mean, we spend so much time fighting with each other about stuff that's no longer important, and we need to understand that this is not an accident. We're caught up in a conflict that is going to... Well, the British. I've said this, and I'm going to say it many more times. Look at those borders in the Middle East. Borders do not follow straight lines. Borders follow river valleys and mountain ranges. When you see a straight line border, hey, guess what? Somebody drew that, and they drew it for a reason. And when the British drew borders in the Middle East, they drew it to put brother against brother, tribe against tribe, to set Shia against Sunni, to create conflict, to create dissension, so they could erect leaders on each side that needed weapons, and they sold the weapons to both sides. And while everybody was fighting, they took all the oil at pennies on the dollar. Oh, what a great plan. It's called piracy. Piracy, their business model. We got the same thing going on here. Well, we're fighting about these issues, which are kind of our own borders 
our own spiritual ideological borders. This whole new ideology is being put into us, and we don't even know what's going on. And that's going to stop, because I'm going to talk about it constantly. And there's more and more people talking about this constantly. Get your party platform in your group. Talk about the issues of tomorrow today, not the issues of yesterday today. Let's be looking downrange. Let's be looking over the next hill where they're taking us. And let's get in the game and let's get a seat at the table and let's determine what human well-being really is. Let's determine our future. We are the people. We are the government. And if we get involved, it's going to be a good conversation. It doesn't have to be a violent argument. It's going to be a really uplifting conversation about what the nature of the future of humanity needs to be. But people are sick. People are sick. And what is sickness? What is sickness? We need to think about what is sickness. You know, when we run to the doctor and get drugs that make our symptoms go away, we did not cure our sickness. We masked, masked, masked our symptoms. It's two really different things. Sickness is a guidepost that we've lost the balance in our lives. Now, there are going to be people that say, no, no, it's purely genetic. Okay. You're on the other street corner. And of course, there's a genetic component to sickness. But there's also a cultural component or a behavioral component to sickness. So how was it that we got to where we find ourselves when we're sick? When we're spending $12,900 for everyone in the country to mask our symptoms so that we can function. And there's so much to be gained from sickness. Because if you want to discover the spiritual, find yourself in a situation where there's no answer to your problem, where the only answer to your problem is to say, oh, shit, there's no way out of here. You have two choices there. One, curl up and die. Or two, pray for a miracle, even if you don't believe in God. You know, that survival impulse within us can lead us to pray and to ask for help. And I'm not saying don't go to your doctor. I'm saying don't confuse masking your symptoms for praying for well-being. And there's nothing wrong with praying for well-being. That's a very legitimate prayer, in my opinion. You might be asked to give up your addiction to sin. Because it's a little strange to ask a supernatural force for help when you're separating yourself from that same force. What I'm intimating to you in this comment is, is there's a science of redemption. There is a reproducible path into the spiritual. But we have to do the work. Oh, and we don't like to work anymore. Come on. I mean, come on. Self-discipline, 
You know, Kung Fu, everybody knows the word Kung Fu, but they don't know what it means. They think it means Chinese fighting. No, it means daily ritual. Kung Fu means daily ritual. What do you do every day? What are you doing every day? Take an inventory of all the things you do every day. What are you doing every day that contributes to your well-being? And what am I doing every day that contributes to my separation from the spiritual? Because I think those two things go together. Now, there was a very famous um, Japanese philosopher. His name was George Osawa. And uh, he lived in the... uh, I'm going to tell my producer, Tanner, we're not going to put the picture up today. We're going to pass that. We're just going to let everybody see Charlie Manson in a minute, so get that one ready. There was a very famous uh, uh, Japanese philosopher, uh, George Osawa. I think he was born in about the 20s probably, maybe even a little earlier. And he was one of the many Asian uh, philosophers who came to the West, because remember, the East and West, they really didn't have a lot of cross-pollination. In fact, we still don't. We still, as the West, don't understand the yin-yang philosophy or what Osawa called unique principle. We don't understand that because we live in it. That's a very spiritual description of how the physical and the spiritual world works, how the political world works, how everything works. That's why he calls it the unique principle, which I said our our northern European pagan ancestors called it fire and ice. Fire and ice. Yin and yang. It's the very same idea. But we don't understand it. We do not study it, and we do not understand it. And again, it takes a long time to understand it. And what Osawa presented was If we understood this unique principle of balance, we could be sick unto death and we could recover through prayer and fasting. Well, this is a pretty out there idea. What he was saying is if you're dying of a terminal disease and you pray and fast, you might find a miracle and in that miracle you might regain your health. He doesn't promise it. But then, of course, when you go to the doctor and you're real sick, they don't promise you anything either. They don't promise recovery. They say, well, you got a 5% chance of dying and a 95% chance of living. That's pretty good odds. Sometimes you go there and they go, 40% chance, dead. 60% chance, you're good. And sometimes you go in there and they say, hey, get your affairs in order. We can't help you. Now, what Harari is saying is that's a genetic problem, and if we hack the organism, we can eliminate those diseases. That's where he wants to head. Now, hey, until he can do it, it sounds good at snake oil. He's saying, follow me, often in the brave new world, and all your suffering will be alleviated. You know, that's a good pitch. And there are millions and millions and millions of people that are following that, but they didn't deliver on it yet. And why do we know? Our life expectancies are falling. Actually, they're saying, follow us into the brave new world, and your suffering's going to be alleviated. But actually, we're dying younger and quicker. 
So there's a little tension there. I'd like Noval, uh, Yuval Noah Harari to explain. I'm sure he's got a great explanation because he's a great salesman. He is a great salesman. He can put shit on a cracker and serve it to you as caviar. He's a salesman, as are all philosophers. Philosophers are salesmen. They're salesmen of ideas. I'm trying to sell you an idea. And the idea I'm selling right now was first sold in the West by George Osawa. It was actually sold by Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee sold the exact same idea, knowledge of the unique principle of, um, of how things work from the Chinese philosophy perspective. And Osawa said, you know, fast and pray. Now, when he said fast, what he was saying is, you know, if you have a stomach cancer, quit eating jalapeno peppers, okay? He wasn't saying don't eat. He was saying eat things that generate well-being. And he had a whole diet called macrobiotics, which you can look it up. I mean, there's still people that probably follow the macrobiotic way today. It was very popular in the 80s and 90s. I think it's recessed a little bit. But his theory of the case was that if you have a serious disease of any kind and you eat a certain kind of a health-producing diet, you might, with prayer and thanksgiving, you might, in fact, get well. And he gave people a prescription of food and prayer and one of the things that he was really concerned about was arrogance. What he believed was, this was what I was just saying about redemption and the spiritual. If you're going to pray and at the same time do things that separate you from the spiritual, isn't that a little strange? It's like showing up for a job interview. You got a job interview, 9 a.m., Tuesday morning. Hey, you don't show up, but please give me a job. No, you got to dress up, hide your tattoos. I'm, I'm sorry, but we're still, I know we're passing laws and all that tattoos are okay. But traditionally, if you're going to an employer and you got a big tattoo and you can hide it, people hide it. You know, they look like they're business people and they show up for the, for the interview at 9 a.m. And maybe they get the job. But it's really presumptuous to think that you got a job interview at 9 a.m. and you don't show up and you're still supposed to get the job. That's what it would be to pray without making any accommodation in your own life to set up the conditions where your prayer might be effective. And that's what redemption's about. There is a process to these things. There is a science to this that is not taught. And as we go through the future podcasts, I'm going to share with how I've been able to experience these things in my own life in the hopes that you experiment with it and make it work in your own life. Because it's it's very possible that whatever is ailing you, whatever your your malaise is or your illness is, that you have a whole other level of power that you can deploy if you're willing to do one thing, depend on the spiritual. If you think about it from a purely religious perspective, you know, when people accept Christ as their Savior, they're reborn. They're saying that all things in my life emanate and depend on God. It's the same idea. I'm not, you know, I'm not Bible-thumping for evangelicalism. I'm just saying the concept of this is the same. When you depend on the spiritual, 
Miracles can occur. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge God. That's a Bible scripture. You know, people discredit the Bible. Why? Because it was part of the Holy Roman Empire. It was part of the colonization of the world. It was used as a, as a prop in the slavery, drugs, and piracy model. And because it was used as a prop by evil men, other evil men say, up, oh, we're going to kill it. Well, you know, come on. That's the baby in the bathwater. There's so much wisdom we can learn about how to understand the spiritual, how to make our lives longer, better, healthier, how to make our communities better. If we look back on that 6,000-year tradition, which has its roots back hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years, and it's so arrogant to think that a bunch of college professors in 100 years can come up with a better idea. No, they're not coming up with a better idea. In my opinion, they're selling a snake oil. What they're really doing is tearing down an old idea because they've associated it with piracy, drugs, and slavery, and they're not parsing it out. They haven't taken the time to experiment because they're caught in the Darwinist model themselves. They're not doing anything different than Darwinism 2.0. They're not moving the ball up the field a yard. All they're doing is trapping the people in continuous conflict. And I don't want that. I want us to evolve as as humanity, as the American people, as American citizens, to a more integrated, integral, well-being consciousness and in crisis, like the crisis we're in today and the crisis we're going into, these are the precisely the nodes in human history where society will crash to entropy and that'll be the end of the game, game over, or society will reorganize at a higher level of complexity. And we're trying to, in this podcast, of course, maintain humanity. I want to live, man. I mean, it's just, at one level, it's just purely Darwinist of me. I want to live. I want to survive. I like living. Please, my leaders, don't kill me. Because everything you're showing me you're doing right now, life expectancy is going down, and we're on the verge of nuclear war. And I think that's crazy. But I want to show one clip today. Tanner, could you just play this this clip of uh, Charlie Manson? People look at you today, 20 years later, and they still have no idea what you're about. Tell me in a sentence who you are. Nobody. I'm nobody. I'm a tramp. A bum, a hobo. I'm a boxcar and a jug of wine. And a straight razor if you get too close to me. Well, Charlie Manson, probably know his name, kept me up at night when I was a young man because I'd never seen anything evil like that before. And actually, for those of us who were young, and actually didn't live through the Holocaust, we were kind of, you know, coddled and protected by our parents that did go through the Holocaust. So we didn't know. We read about it in a book, but when you read about it in a book, it's not the same thing as seeing it in your own time. And this guy showed up, and boy, did he scare me. Because he was into evil, and you see his face, and his face 
looks evil and he is projecting evil. And I show this because he's unwell. And that face, those facial characteristics, if you start to look online at protests, on television, you're going to see those very same facial features and expressions all over our current body politic. And when you see that kind of evil, because when he showed up with it, it was like limited. You know, the, 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 uh, the firewall was, well, he's one weirdo, okay? Just one weirdo. No, actually, he was the tip of a big iceberg that was actually there in the 1960s and was growing in the 70s and grew in the 80s. And in the 90s, oh, it was really growing. And by the time we got here to 2023, this shit is on the front page every day. And we need to learn what that looks like. And George Osawa was identifying that this kind of look was unwell. And George Osawa was identifying that arrogance, arrogance, in other words, that, that I as a human being am the center of the world, arrogance that I'm right, and you're wrong. He was kind of an anti-colonialist. He was an anti-Darwinist. He was saying the real sickness is arrogance. He was saying that humans, when they aggrandize their own intellect, they have cut themselves off from the spiritual. And when you cut yourself off from the spiritual, you're no longer free and you're no longer well. I guess he's had some influence on me, I hadn't thought about him for about 25 years, and he popped into my head as I was getting ready to do this podcast today. So we have to look back and find some of these philosophers that put their lives on the line. This man was imprisoned by the Japanese Empire because he was anti-war. So the Japanese Empire in the 40s threw his ass in jail because he was not down with the empire practicing Darwinism. In his, from his perspective, they were not practicing the unique principle of yin and yang or of the world of the spirit. They were just trying to be better Darwinists than the British were. And guess what? They failed because better Darwinists than them, and that would be the United States military, put their asses down. But all we've been doing is spinning around on this circle. And, of course, after the war, we created the United Nations, and we've had all these years of peace and prosperity but we really never got down to the heart of the issue, which is how we're going to be redeemed. That's the argument. How is humanity going to be redeemed? On our own individual spiritual quest, because we start to teach our children this philosophy, and we learn it ourselves, and we operationalize this this quest to be redeemed in our own lives today because we know that if we redeem ourselves and we redeem our families, we're redeeming our communities and our cities and our counties and our states. And this is how we restore America, truly restore it, back to what it was and what it could have been. Or are we going to go the Harari road and we're hackable animals and free will is a joke and there's 2 billion people, what are we going to do with them? We're going to get into this Harari guy. But this, in my, from my perspective, in closing, these are the issues of tomorrow coming at us today. 
And I think if politics has any value to me personally, and I hope to you, we're going to start looking at the issues that are coming at us and not the issues that are in the past. As long as they focus us, we got to know what the past is all about because we got to know how we got to where we are. But when we're fighting a fight from 1973 and they're telling me I'm a hackable animal and I'm not paying attention to that, well, hey, we can upgrade our politics. And that's all I'm asking for. I'm asking for your participation, for you to join me, to get a seat at the table, go to theprecinctstrategy.com, learn about it, communicate with me on social media. We want to help you get involved in the game. We want you to join free people. We want you to participate in the argument, in the conversation, so that we, the American people, can choose our future together as a community. So I want to thank you for joining me. <clears throat> I want you to join. I want you to subscribe. I want you to spread the message. I'm asking you. I'm imploring you because time is short. It's not about me. It's about the time that you and I are living in. It's not about me making money or being great. We got to get these issues out into the people so that we can have the conversation we need to have and not be distracted. Not be distracted. Focus on what matters. And in so doing, at least we'll have a chance to consider the issues together that are the news that matters. So I thank you. I look forward to seeing you soon again. And I wish you a path of well-being that you can ensue, that you can improve your own condition and the condition of all the people that you touch on a daily basis. Thank you very much.